Okay, that bop-bop is Wade Ripka's Eastern Blockheads band with its 1960s Soviet pop sound. And this is Bar Crawl Radio Podcast. I'm Alan Winson with my co-host Rebecca McKean. For this program, we joined our neighbors on West 103rd Street to celebrate the perpetual opening of the street from Riverside Park to Central Park to walkers and bikers. We were just setting up on the curb to talk to four community leaders responsible for slowing down traffic on the street and creating curbside cutouts for pedestrians from park to park when our producer, Alina Larson, brought over to the BCR table former Manhattan Borough President and current Upper West Side Council member, Gail Brewer. We last talked to Gail on West End Avenue when the street was open during the first year of the pandemic, and we thought we would take this opportunity to catch up with Gail. Same old issue, don't change a bit. It's all all good. It's all good. Yeah. All right, we're we're here at 103rd Street for Park to Park 103 to talk about this event, and um, we're here with Shelly Fine, uh, who is kind of the, the, um, sort of the mayor of the Upper West Side, I hear. Yes. Yes. Yeah, kind of. And and with another person who I've met before, her name is Gail Brewer. And uh, she is the new city council member here uh, for the Upper West Side. How, how, how's, how's work? Well, it's good. It's nice to have a day and a weekend of thinking about the environment. And, and that's, I think that's partly why we're here. We just came from uh, JCC, and uh, we had a table there talking about uh, composting. Well, and we also we were collecting uh, clothes so they don't end up in the landfill. And Lower East Side Ecology Center was there collecting tons of electronics. Wow, wow. I mean, used electronics so it doesn't get thrown into some landfill someplace. Exactly. And it's nice to see that people are out and about. And um, it's really important that we have an environment-focused community. And that's what I think today's about. Yes. The Upper West Side, how's it doing environmentally? Uh, and and is it, is it, are we doing a good job here? Well, I think we're, composting is still a challenge. You know, we're one of the districts that can compost curbside. And I get a little frustrated because I don't think enough people do it. I do it. Every Friday night I put out my compost. We're thinking about doing it. Good. Good. <laughs> October 24, the Manhattan borough will be mandated to compost. Uh, other boroughs are coming sooner. So at that point, people are going to have to compost. And there's a lot of farms in the area. There's a farm in this area, too. Uh, is that where the compost goes? Compost sanitation department takes it to the parks department because the parks department has a lot of parks. <laughs> and they need compost. Um, but I think most of it will go to the parks department. The reason is, there's two reasons. One is rats. If you compost, you're not going to have as many rats. But second... Uh, if you don't, it's going to the landfill. And you should be surprised in our household, there's just three of us, but you put a lot less into the landfill in those black bags. It goes into the compost pile. And that's important. So I'm, yeah, I'm anticipating it's going to feel good to do it. It does feel good. And you feel like you're contributing. To answer your question, how are we doing on the environment on the Upper West Side? The good news is we have curbside compost. Um, we also are going to be have to dealing with local law 97, which a lot of co-ops and condos and uh, buildings don't like. But it does say within a certain time period, if you don't become energy efficient, then you're going to have to pay a fine. So we want people not to pay a fine, and we all want to be energy efficient. Right. 
and we have to figure that out. So that's the other way. And then finally, we just need more street trees. You know, I find a lot of them have died and we need street trees. And then we have to give more money to the parks because if you want people, you know, to go outside and so on, then parks are the place they're gonna go. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I know you don't have a lot of time, Gail, but uh, we're here on the street, 103rd Street, for a park to park uh, initiative. Uh, through open streets and other organizations. Um, to tell us where the city council is with opening up Upper West Side streets and streets throughout the city. Okay. Well, I mean, I, as borough president, obviously, I was all over the borough and I saw a lot of really good open street programs. East Harlem, they did uh, one street in particular was extraordinary. It, they had movies every night wow. on the weekends, on the weekends. Outdoors on the street. Outdoors on the street and people showed up. Um, they had face painting for the children, and there was a restaurant there. You could get a discount, you know, if you were part of the street activities. Beautiful. So that's a real open street. Uh, Lower East Side Avenue B does something similar. So I think I'm a real supporter of open streets, but they have to be programmed. You have to have activities, and it's a lot of work. So in East Harlem, um, there's a business improvement district, and they help. Um, I know down here at Columbus Avenue, there's a bid. And they're at 106 on Amsterdam. There's a bid. So uh, I love open streets, but you've got to have somebody paying a lot of attention to it, and it's time-consuming. A lot of work. A lot of work. Right. Uh, so what kind of activities would you like to see beside movies on open streets on the Upper West Side? I mean, it's, it's great for families. It's great for families. So uh, the ones that I've seen that work include, you know, face painting, games. Um, they had uh, there's a uh, actual nonprofits that focus, you know, on large chess games or large uh, block uh, programs, you know, something that has activity for the kids. They even put up nets, you know, but families, to answer your question. Right, right, right. Um, we're, we're sitting here at 103rd Street. We're getting ready for this event, um, but there's still a lot of cars on the street here. Um, not a lot of people are happy with the idea of open streets. What would you say to those citizens? Well, here on 103rd Street, we're going to have a meeting with the community board, um, the Peace Institute with the different parties and stakeholders here on 103rd Street on May 4th. And we're going to see if we can iron out what it is that people are upset about, what they like about it, and at least have a discussion because somehow that hasn't happened. So I arranged the Peace Institute, their professional mediators. Excellent. And hopefully um, we can get a discussion going because I think it's, it's not good to have neighbor to neighbor being so upset with each other. No. It's one thing to have you know, a citywide policy issue on housing or on something. But when you're neighbor to neighbor, it's very uncomfortable. So that's why I'm hoping we can have some discussion. It seems to me it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, discussion is always a win-win for everybody. Shelly Fine is very good at it. Right, and we're going to be talking with Shelly a little bit later as we move here. And the, the one thing you didn't mention about activities on city streets is podcasting. I made a mistake because, you know, I remember on West End Avenue, you were the best thing going there. During but, COVID. Yes, because to be honest with you, that was an example of a somewhat of a failed street, except for the podcast. I'm serious because Thank you, it, it was well, it was too big. You know, it was too big an area. There was no business improvement district. You know, there was no block association. There was nothing to make things happen there. And so you do need to have activities, and that's what I'm all about. Well, we appreciate you sitting down with us uh, about two years ago, I guess it was, maybe two and a half years ago. Yeah. Gail Brewer, thank you so much. I know you're a busy gal. 
And um, how's your husband? He's great, thank you. He's still writing his books, and we're very excited. Uh, obviously, you know, he's a vet, Vietnam, and we know that the Soldiers and Sailors Monument on 89th Street is in disrepair. Absolutely. And so we got uh, $63.2 million from the mayor. Great. In the budget. Good news. Okay. Uh, to be able to repair it. I am so excited. So Memorial Day, tell all of your listeners to come to uh, 89th Street and Riverside Park, because obviously it won't be done by then, but we'll know that we have the money. And it's, we already have a letter. It's all confirmed. And we're going to be starting the renovation with the Parks Department. So we're very excited. It's a big deal. You heard it first. <laughs> well, we, we did a big program on, on that about four, three years ago. And, um, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll do another. Gail Brewer, thank you very much thank you very for much. visiting with us. Hi there, I'm Leo Samakula. Um, I actually live right here in this neighborhood on West End and 103rd. I've been with Street Lab for a number of years. They essentially set up, pop up open spaces across New York. There's a, a pop up draw station, as you can see here. There's also an explore cart, which is more of like a science lab sort of with lots of magnifying glasses microscopes that kids can and people of all ages can engage with there's also street marker which is it's a bunch of chalk that kids can draw on the street with pop-up reading rooms i th i think that might be it there must be one other thing i think they do about 350 if not more pop-ups throughout the year yeah today here, i'm here on the upper west side so it's great to just feel connected to the city. I feel like they do really great work. They encourage people to be outside and sort of spend time together as a community. And I also think it's just, it turns a street, they, you know, our pop-ups turn, turn streets into these really beautiful spaces that people can engage with in a way that they couldn't. I think it's really lovely to have these spaces where people can come outside and um, just have a good time in their community. So. Yeah, that's my, that's my spiel. Earlier this year, the New York Magazine reported that the Upper West Side of Manhattan, above 96th Street, is a pedestrian death zone. Writer Justin Davidson described the many victims of the, quote, neighborhood out-of-control traffic, a Bermuda Triangle of pedestrian death. Davidson wrote that, quote, nine years into the Vision Zero era, we should really be calling it Vision 125. That's the average number of pedestrians killed each year in New York since 2014, one every three days. But organizations like Park to Park 103 are working to change this deadly dynamic by designing a walker-biker-friendly 103rd Street from Riverside to Central Park. In a city filled with walkers and cars, it's time we found an equitable balance. You are listening to Bar Crawl Radio Podcast. Today, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, on West 103rd Street, I am Rebecca McCain with my co-host, Alan Winsett. We are talking with four community leaders about making our streets safer and more neighborly. Shelley Fine has been president and director of Westside Federation for Senior and Supportive Housing and a former longtime director 
and chair of New York City's Community Board 7. Peter Frishoff is an innovator in the medical field and creator of Medscape. Early on, Peter was a medical writer for the United Press and the New York Times, and today advocates for open streets and safe walking and biking as a volunteer coordinator of the Open Streets Community Coalition, Park to Park 103. Richard Robbins is a data-driven professional and the founder of Upper West Side Strategies. Rich is also a former member of Community Board 7. And with us is Sedalia Acosta, a magnet school tech specialist at West Prep Academy and a leader of the Park to Park Youth Ambassadors, students at her school on 105th Street who have been designing asphalt artwork for the street where they live. Welcome all to Bar Crawl Radio podcast on 103rd Street. Shelly, you are a longtime Upper West Sider. Can you describe how the Upper West Side around 103rd Street has changed since the 1970s? Oh. Especially in terms of population, Absolutely. When I moved here in 1971, it was most, this block that we're on now was the most dangerous block in Manhattan, according to the West Sider newspaper. And you could understand it because the building we're sitting in front of, the Alexandria, uh, things used to be thrown out the window, garbage and other things, some dangerous things. And so no one in their right mind who knew walked on this side of the street. The Marseille that's further down was pretty bad, but not as bad until the later uh, 70s where they had to close it down. They were both... Uh, welfare hotels and it had to be closed down uh, and barbed wired up so no one would go anywhere near it inside. Across the street we had a lot of violence coming from the NYCHA roundstones. That was before any regulations about uh, drug dealing and other things, uh, uh, residents being removed as a result. So in comparison, today we have 134 units of supportive senior housing with a bunch of happy people. We have a a co-op, I believe this is the Alexandria. We have wonderful neighbors across the street. And um, has the ethnicity changes? You know, I don't always notice because neighbors are neighbors. You know, I think um, I could say about the same. Okay, Uh, uh, good people. Is there a sense of community here, do you think? I, I think... When I walk down the street, people, and I, for myself and other people, people seem to know each other, you know. And when we talk about doing things together and the concerns about the block, people are together. So it can be increased. What would really increase it was an open street plan where people could have activities together and get to know each other better. And that's why we're here today. But what about the... Um the um, traffic then, the vehicular traffic during those uh, ah. earlier days? Um, it was a little on the dangerous side. You know, people would speed up the block. Uh, it, was, it wasn't consistent certain times of the day. Uh, you had to really watch out. And it's safer now, you think? No question now. Yeah, right. yeah. And Peter, you've lived in this neighborhood for quite a long time, too. Was, was that your experience? Absolutely. I've lived on the Upper Best Side for 72 of my 74 years and with my wife Casey on West 103rd Street since 1982. So not as long as Shelley, but on the Upper West Side 
properly as long as Shelley, since we were both born the same year. Yeah, all three of us were. Yeah. All yeah. 1949. They're yeah. 49ers. 49ers. Right, right, right. I was just thinking, you, you, you were, Shelley, talking about how violent this street was. We know Humphrey Bogart grew up on this street, right, right, right across from where we're sitting right now. I wonder if he picked up some of his gangsterism. Stuff That's from. very interesting. <laughs> you see, he he owes it. They ought to you know, write to, to, something to, to the up, to, to, yeah. to, to the Upper West Side, right, right, right. And uh, by the way, uh, this block, we, people would not come to visit us. I live right on the corner. They said it's too dangerous. <laughs> and was the concern for safety the main reason that they advocating for open streets? That's a piece of it. The other piece is that in order to connect people together, you need open streets, you need activities going on those streets, and uh, people need to get out and everything isn't in a park. The streets should belong to the people first and, and the residents, and find when we have these activities, run into people who are even in your building who you didn't know, and all of a sudden there's a whole new relationship. Yeah. I wonder if we can talk about safety to our other guests, Richard, Sedalia, or Peter. Uh, what about safety in this, in this part of the world? Uh, the, the walkers, mainly, we're talking about here, and bikers. Well, for walkers, the primary danger is primarily being hit in traffic by, by cars. And most crashes occur at intersections where vehicles are turning. And because uh, the vehicles and the walkers can't see each other when you're turning, especially if you're turning fast. So part of what has become the state of the art for improving traffic safety and walker safety has been to redesign intersections where most turning takes place with what we call high visibility intersections. And you do that by preventing vehicles from cutting the corner at speed, by shortening the crossing distance, by introducing what we call curb extensions, or here on our open streets, the Department of Transportation this summer is going to be installing planters, beautiful planters, 30 in total across the three blocks of the open street, which runs Amsterdam to Riverside, and that will both deter cars from cutting corners at speed and make things much more beautiful on the block. And another wonderful piece of that is that through a contract with the Horticultural Society of New York, there will be daily, daily maintenance, seven day a week maintenance of these planters so they won't be neglected. So very exciting coming this summer, the street improvement project by the Department of Transportation, a wonderful investment in our community. So there will be no uh, vehicular traffic on these streets? No, no, no. Vehicles are have full access if they go five miles per hour. So this is a very important feature of the open street. Without an open street, the speed limit on a side street is 25 miles per hour. So think of that. The same speed limit as we have on Amsterdam Avenue on a side street like 103rd Street. Much, much too fast for, sh for sharing. With the open street, it's five miles per hour, and the design of the street encourages vehicles to go slowly. And, and Sidali, you, you, you are a teacher. Uh, do you worry about your students on the streets? Yeah, I, I do. I think 
one thing is that people forget is that children are outside a lot and they are often able to, especially when in a community like this where everything is so close by, children are allowed to go to the store, go here or there by themselves or with a friend or a buddy or walk home from school. So I think that pedestrian safety is really important. At certain times of day, they do have crossing guards to help, but only at one intersection per school. And so with the, when a school lets out, you have about you know, many intersections that are impacted. So I think that you do have to worry about that type of thing for kids. And so I think the better visible, the more visible that the children are when they are walking and crossing streets, the better, especially uh, with cars turning and, and things like that. And children are sometimes distracted by their sometimes, devices. Sometimes, yes, oh, yes. Their life is all about distraction. Yeah. So right. they Pe- need to be as visible as possible. I think that really, really helps. Uh, so traffic crashes are the number one cause of injury and death for people under the age of 14. And um, about 100 people every single day are actually injured in collisions. And many are children and senior citizens. So it's really important and it's wonderful that we have the commitment of the Department of Transportation at Donis Rodriguez, who's the commissioner and many other caring people, including Mayor Adams, who are trying to make our streets so much safer for children. More people are injured in traffic than in guns by wide, wide margins. So this is a very important, life-saving, joy-producing change to make our streets safer and slower. Um, Richard, I want to get you into this. Um, do you, is there any um, experiences you've had living in the area that you've seen about safety on the yeah. streets? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, my attitude is it's a matter of balance. I, I own a car. I park on the streets. Um, but Becky owns Peter a says, car, too. So your partners. Yes. Um, oh, three. Okay. I mean, as Peter says, uh, 25 miles per hour is far too fast for a side street. I never travel that fast on side streets. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, but often I'll walk out of my apartment. I'll see cars just barreling down the street. Um, and it, I live on the block. So, you know, if I'm bringing my car and I've got groceries, I need to unpack the car, then it makes sense to drive down the street. Uh, but it's also we're sitting in the street right now. Uh, there are people out and about making use of the street. As I walk down the block, I see people I know, and uh, it's an opportunity to see them and say hi to them, which when the street isn't open, you just walk your own way, and it just becomes very isolating. So it's a public space and making use of the public space in a way that uh, that's valuable for all stakeholders is really important. Uh, the New York Department of Transportation, DOT, supports the plan that you all have been putting forward for remodeling 103rd Street into a corridor for pedestrians and bikers from Riverside Park to Central Park. Now, that's a lot of blocks. That's a long area. Has the city council, has the community board, which I know some of you have been on, um, have they have been supportive of this continually, or is this a new kind of support we're getting from city government. Gail, Gail Brew was just here and she said she supports it, right? So has this been a continuous thing or has it been a fight? There's a struggle, but the community board approved the plan. The Block Association approved the plan. 
Uh, there was plenty of discussion, but there's always need for more because there's always people who weren't there that night and they feel that they have a lot to say and we want to hear from them. We want to work with our neighbors. What are, what are some of the concerns that people have? Overwhelmingly, it's parking. So the street improvement plan will benefit thousands and thousands of people, but it does remove 15 parking spaces across three blocks. So 15 across cars, three blocks. Across three blocks, yes. Is this the, the plan all the way from park to park, or just the three blocks we have well, from Amsterdam? It's, a, to, it's the yeah. the part that's being done right now is Amsterdam to Riverside, and then we have the Douglas campus in the middle that goes over to Manhattan Avenue. It's and Doug, the, Douglas Housing, the Frederick yeah, Douglas the Housing, NYCHA which we housing. see right down the right. street here. So we like to say park to park with Douglas at its heart. Because what's so special about 103rd Street is we have entrances to both Central Park and Riverside Park. We have subways at Central Park West and Broadway, bus lines on 5 to 7 avenues, um, lots of bike shares, wonderful transportation access, and great access to these two world-class parks. So we want to have people being able to get to the park in a safe way whether they're at the Frederick Douglass campus or on one of the side street, park to park with Douglass at its heart. This, this is a real walking city, but it's also a real car city too. And it's the, you know, you're, you're kind of shaking your head, but I mean, well, there's I a lot of important. cars here. It's important to realize every New York City resident walks. Uh, a fraction of New York City residents have cars. Yep. 20%. So, Overall yeah, on, in Manhattan, yes, right. Yeah. But yeah. if you if if you just experience the city, it seems like we are walkers and we're drivers, but that's not the case. That that most people are the walkers and the bikers and the the delivery boys and the yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Well, and I think we've turned a lot of space over to cars in a disproportionate manner to the number of people who own cars, yeah. and it's a public space. A question of just how we should allocate the public resource. Right. And, and I've heard that there is a misconception that, that the parking spots that we're sitting in right now is owned by cars. But that's not necessarily true. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's right. The street belongs, the, the street is a part of public space and how we use it is a matter of public policy. Up until 1950, there was no curbside overnight parking allowed for cars at all. So... This is something that's only been in place since 1950 when we even had overnight parking on the curb. And now, of course, car owners are, are used to it and they think it was always like this and it wasn't. And it's going to change a little. Again, the DOT plan is 15 parking spaces will be given up to this community improvement over three blocks. Over so three blocks. That's, that, that's a misconception where I was just speaking with someone who... Uh, said that what he's heard about this plan is that it's completely getting rid of parking spots, and that's not the case. That's a story that's been put out by opponents, but um, it's not true. Um, some of my students and the kids from the community have been part of this as well, part of this process and learning about uh, civics. They're kind of getting a little bit of a lesson in civics as well. We just had a discussion and they said, but the the streets are for the cars, right? I said, well, it doesn't have to be that way. If you have a vision and you don't want it that way or you want to open the street so that people can enjoy the street too, you just have to 
kind of make a plan and create some action and join in with your neighbors. And that could be for any change you want to see in That's your community. Beautiful. So they're getting a little lesson on that, like these things that they thought like you just can't do. And it's like, well, you can if you want more space for seating or if you want more space outside um, for planters or if you want to make an area safer for pedestrians. You don't just have to just throw your hands up and say, oh, well, that's terrible. You actually can take some steps and some actions and to see and make that plan come to fruition. So I think that's a great for them to see as well. I, I, I heard I heard that your, your park-to-park ambassadors, these young people, are also doing asphalt art. Yes. Yeah, so Do you briefly talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> so we looked at some of the other open streets around the city. Um, other open street projects and the art that takes place but we talked about public art so first we started with a conversation about public art and then we talked about some changes that they'd like to see in their community and we also had a discussion about how they want to feel when they walk down the streets of their community how do you want your community to feel how do you want your community to look what are some messages that you want to send to other people as they walk through your community. So we brainstormed, we came up with words, then we came up with some colors, and then we came up with some sketches and some ideas. And um, we sketched them out and planned and colored and played around with that and did some proposals. And we looked at the spaces here on 103rd and Amsterdam and how we could fill them and what, what that would look like. So, you know, the kids kind of joke, they're like, oh, well, what do you think? Like, if I say something, you know, if we make some art, then everything's going to change and suddenly people are not going to be violent and suddenly (laughs) things. And it's like, you don't know. But at the same time, they do understand the importance of messaging and say and having taking ownership. So it's you have a place and you have a part in this community and you can take ownership and you can create a message. And that message can be whatever you want. Shelly, you, you were very uh, big on helping the other side of life people, the older people on the Upper West Side, uh, at the Marseille and at the Red Oak. I wonder if you can talk about uh, sure. w- what will open streets mean to the older citizens uh-huh. of the Upper West Side? Well, one thing, there's very little space right outside the building. It's a very narrow street. And outside the Marseille. Marseille. And if we have that bump out where there's space together, not only could they have more space to be in, Right around the corner, we have Purple, purple Circle, uh, you know, early childhood program, and we can bring them together. The greatest thing for older people are the young ones, and the young ones love the older people. Right. And, and even though Central right Park there. is very close, maybe you don't want to walk there, and you uh, have a little front yard there exactly. outside your door. Precisely. Precisely. You know, the, the parks are close, but not so close when you're having difficulty with mobility. Sure. sure. So that was one thing. The other thing I want to talk about was the fact that I was fortunate because as chair of the school board and the community board, I was very involved with people from Douglas Houses. And so I felt comfortable there. But most of my neighbors did not. They avoided walking past uh, Amsterdam. uh, And many of the people in Douglas Houses didn't come over here because it it was a strange land. What a wonderful thing if people can walk back and forth and, and be in the same one neighborhood instead of having a, a wall between us. And I think it would benefit everybody. Yep. Okay. We're a very diverse neighborhood, the Upper West yes. Side, rich and poor. Yes. And um, all different kinds of ethnicities here. Sure. Uh, and it's the richness of difference is wonderful. And once people feel that it's open, they'll feel safer. 
And when they feel safer, people are going to mingle and people are going to get to know each other and realize that we are we can be one community. Right, right. And I think uh, that's important. Peter, and and a, a key part of that is having a place where we can be one community, where people can see their neighbors and meet. Absolutely. And too often we feel isolated from uh, from other parts of the neighborhood. And so having the the common space is a key, really key element. D- during, during COVID, uh, um, West End Avenue was open in front of our building, uh, the, uh, and, and we would podcast out there. We do weekly and we podcasts. And got, we got to meet our neighbors. With our questions, like what was you your know, favorite film? It, it was like yeah, one of the best fun. times, just kind of setting up on the street. Peter, you wanted to say something. I just wanted to say that Sedalia's program with the youth ambassadors, the canvas are going to be these newly created public spaces one in front of Hostling International and these hugs and what Shelley just described, the little parklet wrapping around the Marseille at Bogart Place. place. Bogart so Place? There is a Bogart Place. It is okay. the intersection of Broadway and, and From 130 Humphrey Street. Bogart, who none of my film students know who, they, who that is. No. Well, here's <laughs> looking at you, kid. Stephen Bogart, the son, has written us a very nice little tweet saying, we love 103rd Street and they love the art activation that we're doing here. And the Department of Transportation and the Regional Plan Association are supporting this Youth Ambassador Asphalt Art Program at all these newly created public spaces. So we're very excited to have their participation and Sedalia and our youth ambassadors. It's really going to bring our community together. We haven't really talked about business on the Upper West Side. Uh, will, will these improvements um, lead people to use more of the local businesses or will be no change there? Of course. It's, uh, there's nothing better for businesses than pedestrian traffic because they're slow, they're stopping by, and they get hungry. And research shows that active pedestrian areas with activity in the street makes the area more safe. We just did um, something at the Park Vendome, and they have this nice little garden area in between, and people are out there having dinner, very wealthy. But it'd be nice to have it on the Upper West Side, too, right in front of my apartment. Yeah, It's an interesting irony that uh, the car owners who oppose the open street uh, say that they need their cars to be able to get out of the city to get fresh air. But by doing that, they're preventing all the New Yorkers who need the street as their only means of fresh air from being able to go outside and enjoy their community. Right. And certainly during the pandemic, when we didn't have a lot of cars, the air got a lot fresher. Yeah. In fact, I think the experience of the pandemic opened our imaginations to the possibility of opening our streets and to something more than cars. And even on our block, we have the wonderful restaurant, Bocino, that has the great outdoor space. And that's a real um, you know, benefit to the community. And it's great that you know, people from the community and from outside are able to come and sit on the street and enjoy their fabulous food. There seems to be a move throughout the city for open streets, not just here on the Upper West Side. Um, how far do you think this idea will go? Anybody at the table? Um, I mean, what, what, what is your dream if we take this to the limits? Yeah, what do you, what do you want it to look like? Well, at least uh, 25% of our streets should be pedestrian priority streets. 25%, that doesn't seem that much. That would be a big step up from what we have today as a first, as a first step. What would you say the percentage is now? Five. Five percent. Yeah. At, at, at best. And... And the th- so the thing, probably less than that. So the thing is also 
that this is an experiment. It's an experiment which has been successful in cities around the world for people who have been to Australia or Japan or Europe. They've seen this all over the world. Is there a city in, in the world that you would say would point to that? That's where we're going. Copenhagen, Vienna, Austria. Isn't the street paved differently even? Yes, it is. And, and the DOT is going to change the color of the Amsterdam block and hopefully eventually this block and the Riverside block as well. And there are wonderful, vibrant colors. In all of my travels, I've never walked down an open street and thought, you know what, this street would be a lot nicer if it was just parking. <laughs> and I think what what's going to end up happening is people from other parts of New York City are going to come here and see, like, wow, this is beautiful. Why can't we get this on our street? I don't think that there's going to be a rush for open streets, but I think when people see what it can be and experience it, then they're going to want it their own, and they're going to see the value of it. It's something new for many people, okay, and that's okay, and people have hesitation about change. One, one quick example, I was walking on 36th Street. It's a beautiful street with that much more greenery, and when you're walking on it, you think, like, why can't we have this on our street? And you can still have parking, you can have shared use, but it's just making it that much more inviting, and I think once that happens on 103rd Street, other people in the community are going to see it and say, like, yeah, we want that. And it's not getting rid of cars. It's just balance. Peter, you showed me some pictures uh, a while ago of before and after. Is there any way we can see that online? Yes, at park2park103.nyc, our website. We're going to be putting them up in the next day or two. And it's the exact architectural renditions done by urban planners, street plans of the existing, of uh, three views of the existing streets on Amsterdam, Broadway, and West End and how it will look after the installation of the DOT's street improvement project this summer. Excellent. That's park to park 103.nyc. .nyc. And we can see what um, 103rd Street is going to look like in the, in the near future. This is Bar Crawl Radio Podcast. We have been talking with a bold in, about a bold initiative to open our streets, especially West 103rd Street, to walkers and bikers from Riverside to Central Park. And it's called Park to Park 103. Um, we want to thank our four guests, Sedalia Costa of West Prep Academy, Peter Frishoff, coordinator of the Open Streets Community Coalition, Rich Robbins, a former member of Community Board 7. Shelley Fine, also of Community Board 7. And I hear the unofficial mayor of the Upper West Side and a longtime Upper West Side organizer. And um, we're going to be talking with the youth ambassadors of Park to Park 103. We're going to invite them over to the mic right now. So again, thank you all and good luck with your work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Um, we, we, we have the um, Park to Park 103 ambassadors here, students of Sedalia Costa, um, who are uh, getting a, a civics lesson in, in how, how this whole thing works, called being a community. Um, what, do you th- what do you think about Park to Park? Is it a good thing? Is it going to change your life, or uh, are you a little kind of... I think Park to Park is a good this is, idea. This is Kashif. Kashif, yes, this is Kashif speaking. I think Park to Park is a good idea because it's trying to like it's trying to like change how the community is right now. It's trying to make it a lot better than how it is now. 
and they've been having a lot of events for the community and from working and helping them set things up, it seems like a lot of people enjoy it. So I feel like it's, 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 it's having like an impact on the community right now. Great. It's Loba's with us also. Uh, why did you join this organization? Why are you helping out? Is it just for a grade? You oh, try to no. impress your teacher? No, I feel like it's good for the community. Anybody's welcome to come and enjoy themselves. Everybody's open to be themselves as well. It's a great experience. So. Great, very great. What, 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 uh, Saloba, what kind of experiences have you had? What have you been doing to help out Park to Park 103? Um, painting, talking to other people, um, dancing, watching others dancing. dance. Yeah. Okay. Did you dance today? Um, a little. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. What, is it fun dancing in the street? Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. And and uh, Sheree. So what what how what has this been like being involved with the being an ambassador? Um, your street. Yeah, I like being an ambassador. Like I get to interact with other people in my community, meet new people, and like it's just like it's fun. You could see people. You just have fun with other people, help people, like make them smile. You just do little things. I think the street needs to be like more bright, like more bright, cause like it'll make people like feel more better to walk down the street. It'll it, it'll just look better and it'll make people want to like walk down the street more because you know they're able to see something that's better than just looking at you know the ground and just stone it's just like a lot better for the community itself they might want to hang out in the street whenever the streets closed off i feel like younger people can make a change but it like has to be like a lot of younger people it can't just be a couple people because like saloba said like young people like we are like we have the future of this city of this community so like whatever like we envision, we can make happen. So it just has to be like a lot of people committed to doing it. If I was to start to get my friends involved with Park to Park, I would just tell them like it's actually helping the community. Like I would like try to open their eyes and show them that it's not really just about always like having fun. It's about making an impact and changing for the future.